in that time frame you would like, say to them to like keep a, like going. a hundred percent. Well, for me, like I wanted this more than anything in the world. Like mm-hmm. honestly, like I because again, the last couple of years were really really rough. I was constantly sick, constantly depressed. It didn't like my f- wasn't speaking to my family. <laughs> Okay, folks, thanks very much for tuning in. This is another wee episode that I have uh, planned for a while. I was trying to get this man on this podcast and um, with long thought uh, and (laughs) thinking about uh, doing the podcast, he's actually come back and decided to talk about um, uh, a few things. So give a bit of background about this man. This man, uh, I think it's a very inspirational story. Um, a few years back, he was, he'll tell you himself about his background in alcohol and drink and how he sort of changed his life and we'll go about the process and what happened and who helped him and stuff. And now he actually owns a gym in Bunkerana and, um, it, we'll get, we'll just get straight on it. Like, um, introduce yourself, my friend, and let the people know who you are. Cheers, Seamus. I'm, uh, Arsenal Flaherty, um, from Bunkerana. And I own a gym in Bunkrana now, O'Flaherty Fitness. I'm probably up and running now. Gym, with the gym, about five years or so. And I'm training people probably around seven years now. Awesome, man. Um, the main bulk of this um, podcast is to do with your past. We're going to kind of get into how you got into training and so on and, and where you're at now. But again, what I said is is where it all began for you um you're you're you tell me you're nine years sober from drinking uh, alcohol yeah the twenty uh august the 4th 2010 was my last uh my last blast on anything <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, uh, and like uh, you approached me about this a long time ago like yes. and uh i was very apprehensive about it to be honest because i'm quite introvert when yeah. it comes to this sort of stuff yeah uh but then Look, I was nine years sober on the 4th of August, and I think I actually made a text you around the 4th or in and around that time, and look, mm-hmm. and I says, I, I, I will do it. Yeah, I uh, know. I really appreciate you taking the time, boys. And this is something that's, um, like, it's a subject that not many people can talk about or feel comfortable talking about, so honest uh, and open. And So uh, we talked about this before, man, and... Um, you had a basic normal um, relationship with drink and alcohol it was kind of work Monday to Friday wasn't it and then have a binge at the weekend it was kind of normal to anyone really wasn't it at the very very beginning or? Uh, well at the very very beginning uh, it, it probably wasn't you know because I was saying to you like I started probably drinking 13 or 14 and like by th- drinking 13 or 14 I mean actually getting like pretty fucking pretty drunk and uh pretty messed up um so now that i'm not drinking anymore like i the more i think about it like i never had a normal relationship with drink as in like i always had to get myself messed up in a sense like i had to i was never really right we'll go out we'll have five or six drinks or whatever as a young young person i was had to sort of get drunk Uh in a sense um so that's where well that's where it probably started when I was about thirteen or fourteen. Yeah. Right through then to probably I was around seventeen. Uh that's when then I I done my leaving certain don't know what they're sort of cracked like, but then I went to Galway and worked for a year, but I didn't drink for that full year. Mm-hmm. Uh for whatever reason I don't know, but subconsciously again I probably probably knew that I couldn't drink that well, but I never thought I had a problem with drink mm-hmm. or nothing, but I knew something wasn't right. No, you're right. So uh I moved to Galway and I was 17, worked on the building sites for a while and then moved back home for a couple of months and then I moved back to Dublin or moved to Dublin then again, worked on the building sites for a year but it was in around that working uh, in Dublin and coming home at the weekends when I sort of started drinking again. Oh yeah. And again, I, like again, I thought it was pretty normal and it got not, well, normal like in a, like in an abnormal way because you're surrounding yourself with people that have done the same thing yes. so like, I would work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then I would come home, and then you would drink Friday, Saturday, Sunday, mm-hmm. go to work Monday to Friday. You yes. know, I'd done that for the guts of a year, and like I could still function pretty well. I was mm-hmm. still uh, could go to work. I never missed work. So like, and again, like at that time, I was still enjoying it. You know, the hangovers weren't bad. The come downs weren't bad. Yeah, I was just young, uh, and just yes. sort of having the crack. 
But then again, so I finished up uh, at around 19 or so when yes. I finished up Dublin and yes. ended up working for a different guy back home. And that that's when probably drinking was sort of ticking taking it took taking its toll in a sense yeah. getting worse i was getting worse i okay. definitely because like i wasn't just drinking friday saturday sunday mm-hmm. you know i would have been drinking friday saturday sunday i would spill on day monday but spill yes. on day a tuesday yes uh that's where it sort of started getting a wee bit out of control that way okay and was there any reason why it, you wanted to get to the bar more or was it just just drink just you wanted to drink or I, was there I, another outside reason that you want no to well like i i don't really know like but i like drink drink calmed me down in a sense not that i was like hyperactive or like running around like a nutcase like i don't know i felt when i drank i don't know i felt like um i, f- I nearly felt like i was complacent or something when i drank i felt like i needed that there that drink to i'm not going to say function like but there, uh, it's hard to describe man i'm mm-hmm. telling you like but mm-hmm. like there's something in you that needs that drink so like i know it's, it's hard to describe why i drank if that's what right. you're trying to say or okay, well, yes. what was i looking for yes I, I i don't really know okay but uh as right. yeah no that's fine so that's all right um there was no real reason for you then to be drinking as uh as much as you needed to or wanted to there so when did you think that it got really really bad um, when did it start to escalate where your family started to notice and stuff like that yeah. and well the, again like it took me a long time I was took me a good while to sober up to realize that they probably they knew a lot lot longer before I did right, that, okay. that I had uh, an issue with drink and that sort of stance and it did come to a stage where like my mom had to put me out of the house in a sense again not because I was a f- friggin idiot or yes. aggressive or any of that sort of stuff yes. but like she was just at her wit's end at a stage when I was just constantly, you know, I was constantly maybe working away. I was coming home and I was just using her house as literally uh, yeah, a hotel. Bit, yes, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, So at that stage, like, mum warned me about my drinking, you know, a long time. Like, she was saying, you know, I whatever, and I just thought it was mum's being sort of mum's <laughs> just, you know, torturing me. Yes. But she, like, the more I think about it as well, like, she, she'd she been through an awful lot, like, right. uh, even... Uh, through people that she would know mm-hmm. that suffered with sort of alcoholism yes. too and she knew people that passed away okay. with alcoholism as well so like this is all stuff I didn't realise uh, until I got actually sober that yes. the amount of stuff I put my mum through and my family and brothers through mm-hmm. and all, albeit all this time I just thought I was harming myself because yes. I was the one that was getting sick I was the one that was fucking depressed I was the one that was suffering bad with anxiety but lo and behold, like mum didn't sleep a night mm-hmm. anytime I was drinking or anytime I was away and you know, that sort of stuff. So for me, mm-hmm. I don't really knew know when it sort of hit home, but like I was in a bad place for about three years anyway before I actually seen the light that I needed to stop drinking. But during them three or four years of like, you know, real, real heavy, heavy drinking, there was spells that I would go off it for three or four months and and, and the and the mix of that there, you know, try and the Never really thought that God, no, I need to go off the drink. I think I'm just saying I was going to give it a break for a wee while. Mm-hmm. Um, so I say they were they were well aware of it probably before me. Mm-hmm. But I say I was 23 when I stopped drinking. But I was well aware I had an issue probably at 19, 20. Right. Mm, but again, it was the last three or three years or so where it took me to a place where like I I wasn't working anymore. I right. uh, was doing a lot of I'm not really going to say house drinking like but like you would have drank in places so you could sort of get yourself topped up before you'd go to the pub and then it was getting to a stage then too like where I was literally getting drunk quite easily three or four times a day because right. everything revolved around it like if I, if I got up in the morning at eight o'clock I would have to go drinking mm-hmm. I would be drunk mm-hmm. I'd be home in bed at 11 or half 11 I'd be out again after an hour or an hour and a half because all you're doing you're not sleeping you're literally just passing yourself out you know what I mean mm-hmm. you're hip so that's that's that again like that cycle that cycle went on for a good good few years like and uh, you know just even nearly get to a stage where you were suffering really bad with anxiety and like I'm going to say I'm not going to say I suffer from depression because in a sense but like there was definitely some mild form of depression in there as right. in like I 
I felt pretty worthless. Like I never felt like that I was going to do anything to myself or anything. But there was many a times when I was laying down, like, and I was just thinking, I was hoping I would nearly not wake up, Aye, okay. or hoping something like that would happen to me. Do you know right. that sort of way? Yes, yes. I and like a loss of uh, not hope or, but it's like. Uh, a vision maybe for yourself what, uh, what is this all about uh, I just I just didn't give a fuck about myself really uh, I actually did not care about myself in any sort of way I, I even struggled as I was saying to you when we met up I, I struggled to make eye contact with people like when yeah. I was young in that phase too I don't know if that was, was weird like I, I just I, I felt ashamed or something like I mean mm-hmm. I, if someone was talking to me I would look at them in the eye maybe for a second but I had to have to put my head down uh, or I'd have to look away yeah so I, I don't know why that is to be brutally yeah, honest, like, yeah. but there was obviously something in me that it made you feel that way. Aye, and, and you worthless. The drinking, the drugs, and stuff was a, a release to get out of that kind of. Well, maybe, way, or, M- maybe, know, like as as I say, like I lo- I, at that stage, like I could go drinking. I would drink on my own an awful lot Aye. as well. Like so, okay. it just brought me to a level where I felt like I could sit down and maybe talk to somebody, mm-hmm. and right. then sure, addiction. I was addicted a long time before I knew it, but. Maybe that's just full addiction and full flight. Why okay. people? Why people do take drink? Yes. Why people do drugs? There's a, there's there's a, a release there yeah, in yeah, some there's way. Or there's, some, there's some comfort in it. Yeah. In a fucked up way. Yeah. There there is some comfort in it. Like okay. Um. So you you realize this for it was going on in maybe three years or whatever the really bad time. So whenever you finished off, you how did you sort of get started into kind of the recovery process? Well, can you go into that? Well, again, I'll, I'll just touch on a few things before I went on to that. Um, like, I did get to a stage that there was a couple of people in my circle passed away right. and, and, and died. Um, right. uh, one in particular who I was really, really close with, he was only 28. And uh, it was in and around that time there when I thought, like, I was fucking 22 at the time, maybe. And I was thinking, this man, he was only eight or nine years older than me. He had a couple of kids. He had his whole life ahead of him. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, this this could be me if I keep going I'm doing the exact same thing he's doing right if I keep going the way he's go- the way I'm going I mightn't see 30 either um, kind of like a wake up call I, right? well, it was in a sense but like it still didn't stop me yeah. you know what I mean it that's stopped funny. me for about a month or six weeks mm-hmm. or eight weeks uh, I think that's what it was and then oh, you were back into the the, f- the full the full flight of drinking when you could drink drink mm-hmm. when you could afford it you know mm-hmm. you would try and work a wee bit they save up a few euro yeah. um, to go drinking for just as long as you possibly could yeah. and that's the way it was near near the end I like I would try and save up enough money if I could work for a wee bit or just even was on the dole for a while uh-huh. save up so I could fucking hit it hard right for four or five days here instead of I'm only going to get one I'm only going to get one day drinking here it's uh, no good right I'm going to hold off I'm going to hold off I'm going to fight this for another three or four weeks and then I'm going to go until I can't go no more yeah that's mad the way you were thinking and processing that 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 was your thought process that was the thought process that, <laughs> uh, like until, yeah yeah it is the more i sometimes now when i if i think it's not often i i don't think about it that much back then back then but like sometimes i think about things like that and i think and i get a wee shiver down my spine to mm. think like somebody was looking out for me yeah all those years because the predicaments i got myself in and how sick i left myself like you know Aye like for a long time like a, like a, these are things aren't just hangovers you know this is a proper proper fucking horrors proper shakes proper proper withdrawal symptoms like so like mm-hmm. a hangover was a piece of cake in a sense like a yeah. hangover a hangover is nothing yeah go drinking for fucking three or four weeks try and come off that right do you know what I mean like I, that, that's the only way how to describe it like uh-huh. in a sense like it, it was just horrible and I, and I was so sick of being sick mm-hmm for for fucking years like but i, I what else it, happened as well the your friend died was there anything else that sort of woke you up a little bit to kind of <sighs> the dangers of what you were doing like i knew that as i say i, I knew the dangers in that there because again like i say I, I, it does sound like as if i'm being dramatic in a sense but it was life or death because like the i know a lot of people that passed away mm-hmm. through uh, alcohol abuse more than anything else like and you're in and around that circle Maybe it yeah. was somebody that to realize it was so young that was maybe they had because like again like it's so young I know men that was they're in their late thirties that passed away and stuff like that and I would have drank with but maybe I thought they were a wee bit older it was when my buddy that was twenty eight that passed away that sort of really hit home mm-hmm. but again like it still didn't stop me yeah 
it, it still didn't stop me. You don't even know why it stopped you. It was, it was just that. Do you think it was that addiction of it? Yeah, well, it is. I, like I, I, the, the date I got, fight it the get, the, the date I got to go into the treatment center. I can't even mind what like, the exact date, but it was obviously it was August sometime in two thousand and ten. My my last. Mm. Uh, I mind drinking a week before <laughs> I went into the treatment center. Like I know, and you're supposed you're not meant to do that. But like I don't know, fuck! I knew I was going to, and I'm going into this fucking treatment center yeah. that I actually thought that was a, a mental home to start off with as well. Mm-hmm. Until I done a wee bit more research on it, but like I mind drinking that week before, and I, what I was telling you too, like I couldn't really get drunk. I remember this is nine over nine years ago, yeah. and I remember that week quite re- quite clearly. Yeah, because I couldn't get fucking drunk. <laughs> imagine that, that is crazy you're drinking like all day yes. and I was thinking like I'm not getting drunk so maybe somewhere in the back of my head I knew that this might have been my last drink or whatever I don't uh, know mm-hmm. I don't know what can you tell us the story about why you started and why you went into the treatment and how how that came about I, I tell you I, I was lying in uh, the house one time and um, I was lying I, mean, I remember it very well I was lying on the couch and I was just coming off a bender and I was not even watching TV or anything. I was just lying on the couch with my eyes wide open, looking towards the ceiling. And my eldest sister walked in. Mm. She was pregnant with her first kid at the time as well. Uh, again, and she's based in Belfast, so I, I haven't seen much. I would only see her once every few months if I was lucky. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was a bit weird when she walked in, and she walked in, and and again, this is stuff I remember quite clearly. Yeah. Uh, she came in, and I mind her exactly saying, she goes, look, oh, she's like, we're going to have to do something about this drinking. Uh, it's getting a bit out of control and I just looked up and says I know and she goes I looked into a place uh, called White Oaks uh, would you go on date and I mind looking up and I mind saying her is that not for mental people that's the exact words I said and she goes no 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 it's for people that suffer with alcoholism and, and other addictions and stuff like that and uh, she goes would you go to it and I just says I would and at that point there I don't really know what I was saying or doing in a sense it was sort yeah. of more or less I'm not trying to say I wanted to just shut her up or anything like that but I just I agreed Yes. and I agreed and that was it so we went up then I think it was a, maybe a week later or so for your screening so yeah. you go in there and you meet a couple of counsellors and they do the they ask you a few questions and they fill out a few forms and do all that there so I was in with my sister at the time and like as I was saying to you that's quite funny now when I think about it but it wasn't at the time because he was asking me questions like and I thought fuck she thinks I'm fucking mental here because like the questions are quite like crazy like do you drink much do you take drugs uh, did you do this yes. do you do that and sort of stuff like that like so my sister was beside me like and I ha- I said look I'm not going to be lying here so I I filled out everything and I was honest as could be and then the way it works then there's a process obviously that they have to follow up to see if you're like a maybe a worthy candidate I don't know if I'm wording that right but I don't mm-hmm. think anybody can just go in there do yes. you know what I mean there's okay, yeah. procedures to follow and they yeah. must have went through all their counsellors or whatever and then I, I got my date to go into White Oaks mm-hmm. uh, so that's what it was it was August the 4th 2010 that was my first day in treatment centre okay. um, but before the 4th of August 2010 I did go drinking for that for <laughs> four or five days before so I was literally I was at a bad hangover for the first couple of days when, uh, when I went in there but as I was saying to you as well like I struggled with sleep for years with That's when right. I was drinking like and I, yeah. I, I know I'm probably going back and forth no, here it's okay uh, um, but uh, you know for a, for three or four years there when I was in the height of the, the drinking and stuff I got there I, I wasn't sleeping like it, when it was absolutely mental mental torture it really is hard to describe because the only time I slept mm-hmm. is when I was drunk and that was just passing yourself out so you were like and lack yeah. of sleep it's not, it's not really sleep it's not sleep no. and like it's, if you're not sleeping and as I say sleep is probably one of the most important things mm-hmm. in the world they, they function mm-hmm. do anything so yeah. I, that's probably why half the time I was feeling down and then maybe more think about True. it why I drank so much I don't know yeah. but when I drank I slept mm-hmm. or when I got drunk I slept mm-hmm. but the first night I went into White Oaks and I, I remember this like it was yesterday I, as soon as I hit that pillow I slept I was out completely cool uh, I, I slept and maybe again subconsciously I probably thought I was safe this yeah. is where I needed to be yeah. I had no idea what I was going to do but I slept <laughs> which like it was a full my, night just I just I place. swear I just remember putting my head down the pillow and not thinking about anything putting right. your head down the pillow and not having these mental crazy thoughts I put my head in the pillow and I slept and that's the way it was 
to the course of the treatment center and the first say the first week what are you what are you going through then whenever you're in and uh, in the treatment and after that first night of good sleep what's the process what do you go through then to to the road of recovery what's well they they do? put they put structure into your day yeah like which is something i didn't have in a long time like so mm-hmm. you you get up in the morning you have certain uh, duties to do like i could be cleaning this this the living area for that morning or it could be the the bathroom or something people are on breakfast so you're getting up you get up at eight o'clock the, the the duties have to be done by nine say then you'd go for breakfast you clean up after breakfast then you would meet counselors there's every single part of your day mm-hmm. you know there's like you have to do this you have right. to do that you're so they, they put in a lot of structure in your day and i mm-hmm. think that's what people in addiction lack as in like you know we, we basically do what we need to do when we want to do uh, you know that sort of sense so yeah lot of structure in your day and again like i'm not gonna lie i didn't like it in there really at the start you know because i felt like i was a wee bit on age you know it's a it's a hard mm-hmm. hard intense place Aye. it really is quite intense like so but i did find they put a lot of structure in your day which and they're bit for you to break down that barrier as well going to meetings and stuff i think that was a wee bit of a not an issue but uh you struggled with oh, it, it for d- a while. it was like as i say like you, you do your month in treatment and like again like that is great don't get me wrong mm-hmm. but that literally just sort of drives you out and puts a bit of structure right you need to try and do a wee bit more because see after mm-hmm. the the month of the treatment center that's when the work you, you yeah, really have to starts. start yeah because you're not in that safety net anymore now yeah. I, I, again i remember a lot of stuff quite well and uh, when i got out of treatment center uh i was really really happy i was like in a bubble for about two or three weeks mm-hmm. really really happy and but then again i just something hit me i don't know what it was but i started mm. feeling like anxious and i was thinking about drinking all the time thinking about fucking drugs uh thinking about right i needed i need something but uh again treatments when well, i can speak for white oaks because i've been there they put on a two-year aftercare plan yeah and it's obviously it's two years for a reason the more i think about it now as well like you do one night a week up there it was a monday night we met up with the past residents couple of counsellors facilitated the meeting and, and you just talk about mm-hmm. even it could be the stupidest thing but like yeah. again it is I know it sounds cliche but it, it is good to talk and yeah. especially some people might be thinking the same crazy fucking thoughts that you're thinking makes you, makes you feel maybe a wee bit more normal yeah it, in, a, in a sense, <laughs> in that a it, sense. It, it does like I actually yeah. felt I was very normal compared <laughs> to some people and I was thinking they're probably thinking you know what I'm normal compared to that man over there um, so that and then I, I went to a lot of AA meetings like for the first it's the first two years first two years and i mean i have to work on that because i went to my aftercare for 18 months i mean that i went constantly and i religiously would have went to at least three meetings a week uh a meetings and that could have been in Derry, could have been in Bunkrana, could have mm. been in Letter County. that's the great thing about this here you're never that far away in yeah. any town and village in Bunkrana, i'm sure if you look it up or you need it there's an it's aa there. meeting somewhere um and i would say for the first year i hated them yeah. I fucking hated them sir I, I just felt at age I hated saying I was an alcoholic I didn't want to speak to anybody I just, so I would say for the first year at a meeting I landed late deliberately mm-hmm. so I didn't have to talk to anybody say hello and all and that I yeah. just didn't want to do that it was, so I walked in about two or three I didn't want to be disrespectful in a sense either and landed too late so I landed in two or three minutes late I, I sat on the back I didn't speak and I would always keep a wee eye on my phone or my watch at the very end so, and I would leave one or two minutes early so i didn't have to stop and speak to anybody mm-hmm. so i just got in kept quiet sat at the back listened and out the gap done that for about nine months ten months maybe and it took then to actually i felt a bit confident i could actually speak yeah and that sort of stuff then and then i actually started enjoying going to meetings and enjoying meeting up with people going for coffee with people yes. other people that are on hope on this road to recover as well yeah. because you're never recovered <laughs> And that's mm-hmm. one thing that I've known. Uh, you're you're never recovered. You're always in recovery in a sense. Yeah. Like you, I'm not trying to say I, I think about drink or I'm going yeah, to drink yeah. again, but like I know if I put myself in certain situations in certain places again, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So you're always aware and you're always sort of uh, of the the thing. But um, whenever you started to speak there in those meetings, was it a certain person or a certain topic that got you out of that comfort zone? Right, right. I can feel confident about talking about this. No, I, I just, just think, felt. I think it must be more, something just came with time. Yeah, you know, you you're more familiar with more it. More familiar and, with things, yeah. and then you feel a bit more confident. And again, 
you're surrounded with people that are going through similar sort of things so mm. you start to feel a bit more comfortable i think it was more of an acceptance thing right okay I, like i never thought you know what oh i'm an alcoholic like i just said you know, yes. i can't drink yeah and i was like that for a, a good year i said look i'm not drinking but like i used to think an alcoholic you had to drink in the street right do you yes. know what i mean like i look at this nah. man here like he's nah. a fucking proper alcoholic this man yeah but that's not, the, not case. the case it's not the case no it's could, not the you case could be and maybe i felt a wee bit ashamed to say it because uh-huh. like i know people that drunk far more yeah than me and are still drinking more than me yeah do you know that sort of way but this is what i think and what for yes, me for, you know that sort of thing. experience yeah, 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 yeah so that's probably why it took me a long time to actually accept the fact like no do you know what like if you can't drink then you're probably an alcoholic yeah whatever uh, way you want to look at it yes you know what yes I mean? so it's I've, just like becoming more accepting of the the situation and 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 yourself and the, the obviously the, being an alcoholic yeah um yeah and again i could go on the meetings without without failure helped so much even though yeah. i didn't particularly like them for the first while but like you have essential. to be persistent with it and anybody like kind of you saying out there is probably in the same boat as you in that time frame you like, would say to them to uh, like a hundred percent well for me like i wanted this more than anything in the world like mm-hmm. honestly like i because again the last couple of years were really really rough i was constantly sick constantly depressed it didn't like my f- wasn't speaking to my family yeah. that much so I was just to think of the meeting just to last an hour and a half and I was like just to be sitting in the meeting why are these meetings not 45 minutes why, why are they not an hour why the fuck are they an hour and a half yeah. but again they're at it longer than me so they fucking know they know way more than me mm-hmm. the more I think about it mm-hmm. but like anything was better than going back drinking again right and like a few older people would say to me if there was in the meeting like if you go to meetings there's a higher chance that you're not going to drink yeah so that's why I went to meetings Monday Wednesday Friday Sunday sometimes Saturday Oh, uh, that's a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I swear to God, that's the way it was. And like, I was thinking in my head, anything these hour and a half here is better than me going drinking again. Mm-hmm. And that's just I keep in my head, even though half the time I might even be listening sometimes in the meetings. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, I was fucking there, and at least I'm not sitting in the house trying to watch TV, True. thinking about fucking crazy stuff myself. Mm-hmm. You've so, been you've been in different environments. Has really sort of shaped you, like um, a bit just looking at the, the timeline of of your the experience. So uh, before you were around the people who were drinking and taking drugs and stuff and the partying and stuff, and then being in that environment with the AA meetings and the, on the road to recovery, and then the next the next point would be the environment for. Um, uh, your recovery your sister enrolled you in a course and stuff yeah that that, that was uh, you know it was more I think about it, it was so weird in a sense like because as I was in White Oaks um, I was in in August and I was getting out September mm-hmm. so when I was on the way out um, Sinead met a, I think I might have found out on one of the Sundays Sinead called up to visit to see me she says look you don't have to go to it but I've enrolled you in a sports course in the Tech and Dairy look you don't have to go to it but look could be a bit of structure in your day as stuff so i mind getting out of white oaks and it was within a couple of weeks i was enrolled in like one of them i had to do like an access course before i got into the yeah the, the actual part yeah, yeah the actual course so i done a year of that like and again that was something that i found that was absolutely vital in my recovery mm-hmm. um as having that structure in your day so when i got out of because again i always thought i was always interested in sport going up and stuff like that like but like i always thought i was going to be a joiner or i was going to work on the sites the rest of my life mm-hmm. but once i got into this course um i started exercising a wee bit more again started coming back and they playing football like i did as a child and then mm-hmm. i was thinking fuck i'm really interested here and this course i'm really interested in listening about hearing about the body again and mm-hmm. and helping people so that course there for the first year and then i got another one it was that bit of structure in the day like i had to get up at nine o'clock to get the bus at twenty past nine or whatever it, whatever it was, and you I knew my time, I knew my ta- but I knew my timetable, yeah. which was important to me because again I think people that are in addiction or suffer from addiction or are trying to recover from addiction, they need to have that sort of structure in the day. I think having too much time in your hands, yeah, is bad in a sense. Like don't get me wrong, you you can overdo it as well, but I think, well speaking for myself. I needed something to get. Up. I needed yeah. to catch that bus yeah. at nine o'clock. 100%. I needed to be in there at ten to to twelve or whatever it is. I needed to get that bus to get back home, and then I needed to go train that night, 
if I didn't have that again, that was just that was just one of the maybe pieces of the jigsaw that yep. I needed to help me. Yeah, so much structure yep. in my day. Yeah, and then it just sort of erupted from that. Like I done uh, my gym instructing course, then I done my PT course, and then yep. I done a bit more on strength and conditioning, and, mm-hmm. and things just kept going. That uh, way. And so you added more in the structure. You were at college in the tech, and was it the running then you started? Actually, I, I I started in the tech, and again a, a friend of mine uh, started up with Graham and CrossFit Dairy, um, yeah. and he got me into it. So I, that was like we would have got up early then, just going to school. He was yeah. driving. We done our training. I think it was the seven o'clock class, and then we, both of us headed to the tech, the tech, right. the tech and dairy right. then. Uh, but it was running more oh. than it was running as well. So I was doing that running, and then I went back playing soccer. Wasn't Gaelic, and funny enough, now Gaelic is the sport I've been playing now the last six or seven years. Probably right. isn't serious. Yeah. But a, a lot of sport, a lot of running, and probably, in a sense, where I could look back, some people might have thought it was unhealthy. Mm. Probably too much running, mm-hmm. too much uh, football, too much training. Right. But look. It's Again, the healthier. It's the, it's, this yeah. is the thing. Someone said to me, oh, you're training too much. Yeah. Right. You could be training too much, but like you could be doing fucking a lot of uh, worse too much. You could be drinking too much. <laughs> you could be doing, uh, you could be doing anything too much. But like, again, uh, when I look back, yes, was I running far too much? Was mm. I training mm. far too much? Did I need to do it? I was a lunatic. Uh, you were like, I, 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 yeah, like uh, my anxiety was bad that time. So I could not sit down and watch mm. TV. Mm. I was pissing the sitting room yes and this is me sober as well do you yeah. know so this is just because you're stopped drinking you can't just go oh this is you still have to work on so much Aye. things it's it's not like a normal person's routine where you come home do your work watch tv for three hours and then go to your bed no repeat and like because you're always on the go you're always thinking something especially and it's full of void especially in the early days now Aye. say now i've nine years behind me and the last maybe i would say the last four or five years it's really like I'm not saying I got complacent in any sort of in any sort of way at all, but I'm more relaxed. Like I don't have to. I'm not going to say work as hard uh, on my recovery as well, but like the first two or three years, I really, really put on a, a mountain of work in a sense. Like I still go to A meetings mm-hmm. now and again, mm-hmm. right? Like, but if I feel bad or I feel like a little shitty or something, a lot of I've got a lot of friends that are still in recovery mm. and they're sober a long time. I pick up the phone or we meet. Or we go, we yes. go for a chat, or go for a coffee. Yeah. Do you know that that sort of way? Yeah. So sometimes I'm not going to meetings. I'm not going to. I haven't went to a meeting now since last Christmas. Yeah. But I have numerous meetings with. Yeah, outside of that. Outside yes. of that, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the first, 100%. as I say, the first two or three years is when I, when I really suffered with like, I still couldn't really sit with myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I thought over overthought things. I panicked about stupid stuff, and mm-hmm. I. But bad, bad, and bad enough anxiety as in like again, I I wasn't overly comfortable in my own skin at times. Mm-hmm. So like again, it could be twelve o'clock at night, one o'clock in the morning. I felt would have to get up and I'd have to go for a run. Yeah, because I'm distracting myself. Yeah, and I didn't like running with music on. I wanted to hear myself breathing. I used to hate. Uh-huh. I, 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 weird. Yeah, I used to hate running or listening to music when I was running because I wanted to feel myself nearly suffer in a sense. Right. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I wanted to hear myself breathing right. and breathing hard right that's uh, I, I know but sure it's uh, not hey it's everybody has their own way of doing things like yeah. and I, I've I said there a couple of times oh, normal routine I just say probably it's a bad choice of word whenever I say that because nothing's really normal really nah. you have a regular person who goes does their 95 comes home has their dinner and goes mm. goes to bed type thing and it's just like a routine yeah. like they don't have as much structure they don't need that structure of exercise or whatever but you've replaced all those um anxiety anxious thoughts and um th- those times whenever you were really struggling with exercise and it just give you t- something to fill that void oh that's, that's what i think like exercise is so important for even like I can, I can only speak personally for myself yeah. and addiction but like i know it helps so many people that aren't addicted because again yeah whatever we want to look at we were born to move yeah we're not meant to be stationary constantly yeah. if that and whatever form of exercise that you like doing that's the one you should do you know yeah. there's a hundred different uh, ways to skin yes. a cat but the yes. bottom line is you have to fucking do something yeah like I, and i felt again i probably took it to that stage for the first year and a half two years to the stage where it wasn't really really overly healthy because i was doing uh, it two or three yeah. times a day yeah but i felt for me personally i needed to do that yes um that it helped me, yeah, pro- coupled obviously. coupled with 
AA meetings, going to my aftercare, and I had a, I seen a counselor for a couple of years as well. I seen a psychotherapist uh, as well, which, which all in the mix. I don't, I, helped, I, I, helped I don't, I don't help because at the end of the day, I try to do everything that I could possibly do to not make me drink again. Yeah. And again, like the first couple of years, it was fucking rough. Tight, yeah, would go mm. and spell. I nearly thought I was going to diagnose myself with bipolar. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. either up on the fucking ceiling as happy as could be, or I was down the gutter as low as could be. Mm. I, 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 How long would those episodes sort of last? They could last fucking a day, two days, three days, a week. Uh-huh. Never, really, never really noticed them going out longer than a week. Uh-huh. But like, I a week, couple of days, high and low, never uh-huh. in that middle ground. And I used to fucking be jealous of people that I used to see that I think fuck. They're in that middle ground there now. Do you know right. what I mean? They're complacent with themselves. And I used to envy that. I said, like, where, what do I need to do to get there? Mm-hmm. But again, the longer I stayed away from drink, the easier it got. Aye. It, it, like things take fucking time. Yeah. And I actually don't know when I had actually all sort of maybe hit home yeah. and sort of I could sit down and relax. I don't, uh, none, of, none of that there. But the I only knew if I keep staying away from drinking and I mean partying or drugging as well. Now, mm-hmm. again, I know I told you this here, like I was never a drug addict, like, but I've mm. took an unmerciful amount of drugs in my time, mm-hmm. and I was not going to substitute alcohol with drink or well, alcohol with a drug. Yes, I couldn't do it, or even gambling. Even or gambling, because I mean, it's the worse. same. Yes, I mean, even stopping drinking. I called into the bookies every now and again, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like you could see, like the, the the photo finish or something. If I had a few euro on it, like again, I would. I do not have a gambling problem. No, but I was not taking that fucking chance. You were I had limited. It for I was replacing because yes. I, I found myself sitting on here. Yeah. And I said, I'm getting excited here. And it, take, it took about a month or two to realize, yeah. you know what? I need to get the fuck out of here Aye. as well because I just, for me personally, do not think I can do anything in moderation. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, I'm going to eliminate, right. I'm going to eliminate, eliminate myself out of the situation okay, here and yes. stay out of the bookies. Yes. Stay, uh, I'm not going to take any fucking drugs anymore. Yeah. I'm not going to drink anymore. So it's all about it. It is. Because you were replacing that addiction with something else basically whenever you're whenever you're talking about it there those other forms of uh, that addiction it could be gambling could be drugs could be something else but you've replaced that with that exercise and that yeah. structure and yeah. to be honest with you it is a lot healthier to mean the volume and stuff that which you're doing may not be you need your rest and you need your sleep and stuff you yeah. need that balance but obviously then that first two years of getting recovery you're going to have that intense uh, like work to yeah, do and yeah. that's probably what it was and I think but that's some people maybe a, if they are suffering or in early recovery or something may not realise that it does take time mm. but the more time you give yourself the, the better chance you yeah. get do you know what I mean it's like Aye. in an ideal world everything would just fall into fucking yes once place. Oh, I'm, yes. St- I'm not drinking no more yeah. why is things not going my way mm-hmm. like, um, see the kind of if someone else out there is uh, struggling with like an addiction or something, what sort of well, how could you summarize this? How what sort of advice would you give someone, um, uh, or someone who knows someone who and who wants to help? Um, what sort of advice would you give them? Um, if you are suffering from, or think you're suffering from uh, some addiction. sort of addiction like that, yeah. there again, I would honestly say go to go to meetings. Mm-hmm. find out a wee bit about Amy let's look up on Google or anywhere whatever area mm-hmm. you're you're in mm-hmm. uh, and go to them mm-hmm. you will know like again if you're if you're thinking about this here there's a high chance that you probably have a problem yeah um, if if it's becoming unmanageable I would say go go to meetings mm-hmm. uh, try and surround yourself with people that are I know it's easier said than done that are maybe more positive or they've got a better outlook and like they're yeah maybe they are sober a long time yeah. or more people that are training or mm-hmm. playing football and stuff like that um, but again I would say meetings exercise um, coupled with the counselling that I got was structure. all and the structure that I had in my day you do, and again uh, you touched on that again sorry I was going to forget about this get instruction in your day if you don't if you're not working try and enroll yourself into some sort of course yeah. or something like that or yeah. even go and do some volunteer work yeah. or something like you can help out with local tidy towns you can help out and this might sound absolutely fucking nuts what I'm saying mm-hmm. but believe me you need something to do every day mm-hmm. because if you're sitting on your own with your own thoughts mm-hmm. all day every day it's a bad it's, I, I think it's I, a dark I, it's a, it can be because at the end of the day like I wasn't thinking too health too healthily myself mm. 
like I, my, it was myself that got me into my mess most of the time. Yeah. Now I got myself out of it as well, but with the help yes. of my exercise counselling, uh, white white oaks, Amy, yes. all that sort of stuff. Um, and like someone for like Sinead, right? Uh, your sister, he helped you. Um, somebody to maybe approach. I'll use her as an example. She yeah. never forced it no, in a way. She I did get, it in yeah. a nice way. Uh, so again, she? she must have done her research on how to maybe approach somebody that you mm. think is struggling with mm-hmm. uh, some sort of abuse, some sort yes. of addiction. So everything was like, like you're not saying, look, you're going fucking here. Or <laughs> uh, we signed you up to this fucking place here. Yeah. This is where you're going. I was yeah. like, look, I was more subtle mm-hmm. in a sense that, like, look, Ashin, there's this place up on letter I'm off and it's a treatment center helps people that are suffering from addiction would you like to go to it or do you mm-hmm. think you'll go up there for a while mm-hmm. and nearly it's like see how it goes go up for a couple of days mm-hmm. if you don't like it nearly go in a sense that sort mm-hmm. of way mm-hmm. I don't think it can be forced because so, again something inside me That's obviously wanted to go there yeah. like because at the end of the day you could go to the best fucking treatment center in the world you could go to the best counselor yeah. in the world but see if you don't have the desire to stop mm-hmm. it doesn't fucking matter mm-hmm. Like out of all that, yeah. my will to not drink anymore. Because I like it was more than anything. It really was. Now don't like again. Like I'm not trying to say this was all just me. Yeah, it yeah, fucking yeah. wasn't no, just me. No, I had help, but it right. comes down to you. You can't blame nobody yep. for why you're drinking because that's bullshit. I could have made a, a million excuses to go drinking again. Yep. You can't blame nobody and say don't get me wrong. You can thank people that helped you along the way, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, if you're sober you got your fucking self sober yeah. so you can't really depend on people either no. you really can't depend on people it's a there's help out there go for it mm-hmm. but this this comes down to the individual yeah. massively as well mm-hmm. there has to be that real real desire and want like I wanted a life I like I had a younger brother at fucking 17 that was driving I was 23 I wasn't driving yeah. like I thought to myself what am I becoming yeah. here Yeah, yeah. like I have nothing I had no money mm-hmm I had no life. Mm-hmm. I was right. I need to try and get my shit together and try and get things sorted out. Okay, and and you did then. I did die. Yeah, I I, I did die. So but again, I, it's, but it's still like like again. I know we can go on a wee bit, but like it's still not. I'm yeah. not living this perfect life nah, by nah, no nah, means. Nah. I still every day is like uh, every day. No, every day is, can be different. But like I say, say I am complacent now mm. and happy about seventy percent of the time. Yeah. maybe even fucking eighty. Okay, I still feel like shit. 20% of the time or 30% of the time sometimes sometimes I can lie awake yeah. and not sleep yeah. thinking about stuff or right. have that bad feeling in my stomach yeah. I'm human Yes. like you get good days and bad days so yeah. it's not all and I still have to work Yes. on what I do I need to exercise uh-huh. right I don't go to meetings as much as I as I probably should but, you, yeah. but I still am in contact with people so yeah. I still have a thing things that I need to do yeah, to get me to that 70 or 80% zone yeah yeah most of the time yeah because like again if you're happy 100% of the time you're probably fucking nuts too you know I mean? probably something or on drugs yeah, or on drugs <laughs> do you know what I mean though no, seriously yeah. but like it's uh, like it's mad and the time I was drinking stuff it was the other way about I would yeah. be happy maybe 10% 20% yes. of the time and the other time it was just a constant struggle yeah and sometimes I'm not saying it's, it's, I'm not, I'm not going to never say it's good to struggle but sometimes you don't realise how fucking strong you are until yes. you, you know I got it's through a, that day yeah 100% like and again sometimes you might have to really hit the bad to say, I'm strong here. 100%. I'm going to get through this. Yeah. So, uh, I think that was brilliant, man. Now, O'Flaherty Fitness and Bunkrana just didn't just come out of the ground. No. Where did that start? I want to kind of finish off where, where about your business and how that grew. Yeah. And, well, we can leave it where people can find you and lock you up and stuff uh, like that well, too. Well, like, again... I was I done my my school in there. I was in the tech for three years, yeah. and I was thinking about it for a while. I was thinking I was going to run a wee boot camp uh, in Bonkrana, and it was again. I think we were. I can't even mind the exact date now, but it was November, and it was around two thousand and thirteen. I think right. two thousand thirteen. I was. Yes. I remember my post. Yes. Running a five week boot camp in Bonkrana Youth Club, PM if interested. Uh-huh. Right, and I swear to God. 20 or 30 people made me or whatever I was like fuck this is unreal <laughs> so I started off in the boys club which is Moncrana Youth Club yeah. in their big hall mm-hmm. and I, it was all just bodyweight stuff I didn't really know anything about weight training or nothing that I got yeah, there yeah. and I just done a heap of bodyweight stuff and then 
then that was that was the big haul and then I think I laid off then to January so we didn't do nothing to January and then I started doing mm. classes in not the big hall anymore it was the wee small room in the youth club as well so I rented right. out there for probably I'd say about six months when the weather was good yeah we went to the beach or we went to Donnery right. we done okay. uh, like a lot of boot camp sort of things mm-hmm. and then again um, I ended up actually getting the tiniest wee shed to rent for my own place mm-hmm. and that came about again over like the pair again I'm not going to mention no names but the person in the youth club used to make things awkward for me yeah. like booking the room and stuff and I was yeah. thinking this person's a cunt here I need, <laughs> I, need to, I need to get my own place so that was my next fucking drive like I need to get my own place yes. and, I, and this small wee place that I was in for the first year year and a half I mean I, I the more I think about it like I don't know how I got it, how I managed like yeah. tiny wee toilet oh yeah. it was clean like but it was like a wee shed <laughs> I would say it was 15 meters by 15 meters uh-huh. 15 maybe by 20 it was literally like uh-huh. a box uh-huh. and uh, at that stage I started doing a lot more weight training I was good more I got, I got more qualifications and stuff and I started to just people into weights and that sort of stuff and mm. then again got a wee bit busier and just luckily enough, the wee shed I was in had another side to it. So it was one big shed, but it was partitioned off in two. Mm-hmm. And I asked the landlord, would he, could he knock down the, the middle? And he did. And then that, again, that made it twice the size, obviously. And I was in there for about a year and a half or so. And again, at that stage, I was just doing four classes a day. I wasn't doing any PT in or the gym mm-hmm. wasn't open. So I would have done like a class at half six in the morning, 10 o'clock, half five half six Monday Friday that's the way it was and then I had a thought in my long um, I had a thought in my head for a long time but I'd love to open up a a gym with the one one sort of stop shop on it like you could come in you could train you could see a physio you could see, see a masseuse or you could see a nutritionist so I had this vision in my head for a while and uh, I'm not going to say I've really outgrown the little place I was in but like mm-hmm. I thought you know what I thought about it try to do maths and try to figure things out and I says look I'm, I'm going to try and get this unit and uh, and I was looking around Bunkrana for ages for this unit and this is coming from I would probably say 1200 square feet coming into a 4200 uh, square foot building so it's mm-hmm. literally everything has doubled my rates have doubled my rent has mm-hmm. doubled my ESP bill and this is all in my head so I was, I was worried about all this sort of stuff but eventually we made the move uh, probably two years ago now and I laid it out I had nobody in the rooms or nothing like that I laid it out so right, I'm going to partition off this part of the gym and this part's going to be hopefully for my nutritionist hopefully for my <laughs> physio and hopefully for my sports massage um, so uh, eventually then we moved in and I have a physio working in here I have a chiropractor working here I don't have a nutritionist or I don't have a uh, sports massage or nothing like that there, but look it's still You're doing well. I'm, it's, it's okay but again but again it's it's nothing and I don't want to sound like I'm fucking blowing my own trumpet here but see for the first year year and a half yeah, I was working 12 hour days yeah. because at least 12 14 hours a day Monday Friday yeah. and I would do a half day Saturday a half day Sunday so it was 7 days a week because again when I opened up this gym I was thinking I to cover expenses I need to offer more than just my classes so it was like a it's an open gym as well you, so people you, you need to be a member to use the gym but like you don't have to do the classes to come in here so I was literally doing classes from half six ten o'clock I was trying to do four or five PTs a day as well I was mm. just any sort of work was coming away I couldn't say no because yeah. I was so worried about paying the month's rent or paying paying my bills so mm. again it, w- it was something I mean I somewhere in my stomach I, I'm going to make this work one way or another I'm would you say that what I had done for the first year, year and a half, was it healthy work-wise? Probably not. <laughs> because I was doing, I was seven days a week. I was in here for 12, 14 hour days, easy. Some fucking time, 16 hours. But I made it work. Mm-hmm. There's and a I, I, here. Huh? I a know, I, I, it's probably ignorance <laughs> and fucking stubbornness and most of the things. But there is, part, it's probably nearly than anything I'd done. It was that I have to give it the full focus. So and again, and by no means do I still like not work or anything like that like I'm not like at all but the last maybe eight months really uh, a couple of boys started coming in here to work with me like yeah. Johnny and, and Jackie and things just made so much easier in a sense now yeah. where like 
I don't do 12 hour days anymore no. I still fucking work I still mm. do 8 hours a day I mm. still do most of the classes mm. I still PT yeah. so it's still a, there's still a lot of work in there but like I say for the first year year and a half it was like really really like intense really intense yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I felt like I had to do that there to make it work yeah. because I couldn't pay anybody to come in here and do it no well it seems to be going and again it's way. something that I wanted mm-hmm. like I, I, again like, and I never really thought when I was working on building sites that I would have been helping people get fit or yep. helping people lead a healthy life because mm-hmm. I always thought I was going to be a builder until I sort of got myself sobered up and straightened out and got into mm-hmm. the fitness side of things and got into helping people yeah mm-hmm. man it's awesome I think it's a class story and like um, there's probably loads we could have touched on yeah. and wee stories that you could have told us from whenever you were drinking yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah, but yeah. again um I just wanted to give the basis of your story because for someone to kind of just relate to being uh, where you were in that low yeah. state yeah. and what you can do, what what's possible, um, I think it's a great story and I think if people can get in contact or uh, see what you're doing on social media, where would they be able to find you? I probably am more active on Instagram than anything else. Like yeah. I do a quick Q&A once a week. I'm useless on social media, by the way, too. <laughs> when I say more active, like, I mean, I talk once a week on it. <laughs> so it's so Flaherty Fitness and Performance on Facebook and uh, and Instagram. But mm-hmm. like, that, that's it. And I'm in Bunkrana. Brilliant, man. Um, look, I just hopefully this helps somebody. They kind of get the finger out, do something about um their life and make sure that they're they've give them the they have that hope that's it know. well like again again i grew up in a sense that even through probably my mum installed it in me and my dad like anything worth having in life and it does sound cliche isn't going to be given to you or isn't going to be handed to you mm-hmm. you have to work on things mm-hmm. and that might be sobriety like if you have a problem with drink or, or drugs you are going to have to work on that so much more than somebody that can just do it socially yeah like i know people that can go out and take drugs on friday and saturday night they're not I don't condone it, yeah. But they're not a fucking. They're don't. They don't have it. They're not a drug addict. Yeah. I know people can go out drinking on a Friday and Saturday night, maybe on a Sunday. Yeah. They're not an alcoholic. They're yeah. big enough drinker, but they're not an alcoholic. Yeah. But for me, like I need, to, I can't do that. Yeah. So I need yeah. to work so yeah. much harder than maybe somebody that yes can do that. Yes. You know that sort of yeah. way. So look, there's no substitute for hard work. And if yeah. you want something enough, enough, yes. you will get there in the end. Yes, excellent lovely way to finish thank you uh but i really appreciate you taking your time to come talk to me i know it took a lot <laughs> so i really appreciate that okay yeah. um go and enjoy the rest of your day off okay okay guys uh thanks for listening you can follow uh flaherty there on his instagram page and get involved in his q a and <laughs> all right <laughs> and we'll see you i'll chat to you again on another show thanks